A lot of shopping needs to be done, and a lot of things need to be done. And most people are getting their decorations up maybe this weekend or last weekend, or some people have already got them up. But we wish you well this weekend as you do that, uh, many of you that will. And uh, many of you will be watching football, football, and more football. We've got a lot to get to on this Friday morning. Our picks, and, and by the way, you're, you're all very welcome as uh, Santa King, uh, Santa Sports King, that is, uh, and the Sandman delivered uh, last night like FedEx or UPS on time, by the way, and uh, gave you the winner. Uh, we gave you the Seahawks, a desperate team uh, that was looking to go to their seventh win against the Dallas Cowboys. And the Seahawks fell, but they won for you uh, because the Sports King and Allen, the Sandman Sandage, both gave you the nine and a half. And I also, if you rewind the tape, Allen, I believe the old Sports King said something about go with the over. Was that true? I think that's a double win for the fans out there, correct? I do believe that you were on the over, yes, sir. Absolutely. So when they come to you today, remember, uh, don't look Alan directly in the face. Just hand him the bag of cash. 10% is always appreciated, and Alan and I know what to do with it when we get it. So there you go. Uh, last night, 41-35. I'm going to break this down, and I'm going to get Cowboys fans back to reality. So if you're a Cowboys fan and you feel differently, give us a call, 804-327-0888. I'm going to poke a lot of holes into this deal, and I'm going to tell you why. And we'll do all that momentarily. Also, uh, some uh, very, uh, of course, upsetting news. Von Miller uh, was accused of some domestic violence. We'll talk about that. He turned himself in after a warrant was issued, uh, one of the great players in the league. And, of course, he's facing some serious uh, issues that he has to deal with uh, right now. Uh, We understand that, uh, of course, Nick Saban saying that uh, no SEC team should be left out of the playoffs. He feels they're the best conference. Of course, he would. That's his conference. So we'll see how it works out. A big one for him and company against the Georgia Bulldogs. Before we get to all that, the phone line's open, 804-327-0888. I'm coming back with the Dallas Cowboys take. Uh, Before that, let's turn it over to Allen with the top stories of the morning. The top stories of the morning. Good morning, everybody. I've got story number one. Obviously, Sandman just touched on it. Or sorry, Sandman. Jamie just, I know, third person talk, man. I've been watching too many uh, Antonio (laughs) Brown videos. (laughs) But uh, the Sports King just touched on it. Uh, We finally got a good Thursday night football game. Dallas moved to 9-3 after their 41-35 win over the Seattle Seahawks. Seattle drops to a dangerous 6-6 with that wild card spot still in play. Uh, but Dak Prescott and Geno Smith had uh, a great game, put on a great show with three touchdowns apiece. Geno threw for 334, Dak threw for 299, and DK Metcalf and CD Lamb both went over 100 yards, and that is why you got your over. Well, let me say this: I'm going to break this game down in a few minutes, but and I said this, and of course, trying to hear back from some Cowboys fans, nobody, of course, responded when I posted this because I said. Gino had the ball with a minute and 43 left and one time out. And, of course, uh, I said, watch what happens here because the Cowboys kick a field goal. They could have lost by one if the defense wouldn't have held up. And as they got to the 50-yard line, I posted, I bet you Cowboys fans' deodorants are working overtime right now. And we'll talk about this game break it down momentarily. Story number two. Story number two, still sticking to the NFL 
Uh, but going back to their actual nickname, the Not Fun League, uh, in a video posted on social media on Tuesday, photographer Kevin Fitzgibbons of the Miami Dolphins uh, was stating that the NFL suspended him for his participation in the Tyreek Hill backflip video that has been circulating. Uh, the sad part about this is that Fitzgibbons and Tyreek Hill said that the video was not planned. Fitzgibbons filled, uh, filmed the celebration and then turned it into the NFL thinking that he would get praise and he actually got reprimanded. Unbelievable. Uh, as they say sometimes, a no fun league. I mean, this is supposed to be a league that engages fans and uh, sometimes they worry so much about the brand and uh, the players are out there. Come on, every time they get an interception, you got to take 30 guys to the end zone to show the fans that, hey, this guy got the interception and made a play. And it's just part and parcel of the league now. It's all about the brand of the players. And they're trying to enjoy themselves, have fun. you got a winning football team. A guy does a backflip, which is not easy to do uh, if you're not a gymnast, of course. And Hill has all kinds of talents. He put them on display, had some fun with it, and the league's coming down on him. And uh, in this case, down on the photographer. But the good news is Tyreek Hill says, no worries. I will pay his salary until he's back on the sidelines, which is a nice gesture. Story number three. Story number three uh, kind of got buried under the lead a little, uh, but report from the Washington Post uh, says that Maverick Carter, LeBron James manager, used an illegal bookmaker uh, to place thousands of dollars worth of bets. Uh, back in 2021, he admitted that to federal agents. Now, LeBron said that it's not a big deal at all, that honestly, you know, Maverick is his own man, and he's not affiliated with anybody, so he could do what he wants, and everybody bets now. That is partially true. However, uh, there seems to be a misunderstanding on LeBron's side. Uh, the news reported that Maverick was actually affiliated with the Lakers back in 2021, so he, in some capacity, he was working with the organization, and the NBA prohibits players, team officials, and league officials from betting on the league games, and the National Basketball Players Association also includes agents in that role, but business managers are not included in that group. So if we can figure out if he was with the Lakers, uh, you know, as an employee, then we might have a little bit of an issue. But it doesn't really affect LeBron. Here's the deal. Uh, LeBron James, Maverick Carter, deep, deep, deep into business uh, things together. They're partners. And I can almost tell you they speak every day uh, because they have so many different things that they work on. Would it not be possible in the realm of possibility that during some of those discussions with his quote-unquote uh, partner that he says hey Brian how you doing today man uh, man I got you guys big tonight or you know I got this team big tonight and uh, LeBron says you know I'm not feeling it tonight man I probably put up 20 tonight or something like that I just don't think we're practicing very well uh, hopefully we'll play well but I'm not expecting anything great even if he said something like that and Carter took that information to the bank, and basically uh, it'd just be interesting to see if he bet on any Lakers games or used any information that maybe LeBron may have tipped him off to. I'm not saying he did, but if he did, you know, what's the difference there? Then uh, Billy Walters, of course, giving Phil Mickelson information or vice versa there, and uh, Pete Rose, uh, and we'll go a little bit further. I'm going a little bit uh, a bridge too far here, but along those same lines, Pete Rose betting on his favorite team he's the individual but here you've got somebody that's close to the individual really tied into the individual so i'm not saying it happened i'm just saying 
uh, where there's smoke, sometimes there's fire. These two are very, very close. They more than likely deal every single day with each other. So maybe he used some information to his advantage. Just saying, a thought worth thinking about. So there we go. Alan, what do you think? Uh, LeBron, is hands clean in this deal? Or do you think maybe he might have offered some advice along the way to his buddy? Yeah, this might surprise some people. But if it was Michael Jordan in this situation, I would think Jordan would definitely be a little shady. <laughs> I don't think LeBron cares enough about gambling and stuff. Wow. It's not really in his personality wow. uh, to to come off, like, at least not to me, to come off like that. Uh, but also the, the real other concern is that they are affiliated with other sports teams. It's not just the Lakers. I mean, they got a partnership and and some ownership in Liverpool FC, which is a major uh, English Premier Soccer Club. Uh, there's also some other business ventures, and you just don't want that stigma that you're willing to cross that line to bet on sports as a professional who has ownership and a stake in other sports. Because again, we don't know. I'm a gambler. I will tell you straight up, I, I wouldn't trust another gambler to be like, oh, I don't bet on that. Mm, I don't know. Like, look at Phil Mickelson, like you said, uh, Jamie. Like, the guy bets on everything, and he's notorious for doing it. I, I mean, could you could you see Phil uh, being in this situation and, and believing that Phil didn't bet? Same with Pete Rose. Right. Like, you believe he didn't bet on his team? Like, a lot of gamblers don't have that kind of restraint, right. so it, it's definitely murking the uh, waters a little bit. Well, you also don't have a friend that's uh, the all-time leading scorer in the NBA that can maybe offer a few tidbits of information that could yeah. get, you, get you to the winner's circle. Let me ask you real quick before we go to the Cowboys game from last night. So the better player for you, all-time, LeBron or Jordan? I'm a Jordan guy just because Good. of the the intangibles. Like I, I mean, it's not that I grew up watching. I don't think he walks on water. I just like people that have – fire that I can see on a nightly basis. Um, I don't see LeBron's fire on a nightly basis, and that's part of the generation, though. That's his, That's the brand of basketball we have now. Uh, I don't think LeBron would have been like that if he played in a different era, but, I mean, you know, like Kobe was basically the last guard, I think, of that kind of fiery competitor every single night, and I think people just need to get used to it. I've been blessed in my career, you know, to be able to sit with Wayne Gretzky, the all-time, in my opinion, the greatest hockey player of all time, Cal Ripken, one of the greatest baseball players, get to know these guys, uh, get to sit with Michael Jordan, interview him, talk to him. Uh, just all I can say, I was in awe of the man. And it's hard as a reporter being objective to sit there and be in awe. But I, I got to admit, I was in awe of everything the man's done. He is an icon uh, that you just look at and say, wow, when you think of what he's done and how he's elevated people in the city and all his championships and the way, and he came across in the last dance and he basically said, you know, I wasn't there to make friends with my teammates. I wanted them to be their best. And if I had to ring the bell a little bit and say, Hey, this isn't good enough. I'm going to make you uh, in my likeness. In other words, I'm going to give everything I have. You're damn sure going to give everything you have and uh, say what you will. Uh, I would never take uh, Lamar, uh, LeBron over Jordan. I, I just, when it comes down to that one guy you have to get the win with, I'm going with Jordan every single time. And LeBron is an excellent player. I saw one of his first games, McDonald's All-Star game, and one of his first pro games, But and he's a great player. But uh, two generations, two differences there, but in the end, you look at Jordan and the greatness uh, of the NBA with him in it, unbelievable. And, of course, the wars he had with the Knicks and the Pistons and uh, the Celtics, and uh, just spectacular. 
Getting back to last night, and there are some folks out there uh, that uh, were talking online after the win. Nobody from Cowboys land said anything at 143 with Geno driving to the 50-yard line. Not one keyboard commander out there typed anything saying, oh, we, we got this. We got... First of all, Seahawks get the win, 9.5, the over. Of course, they went over the post total. But here's why Cowboys fans, and the phone line's open, 804-327-0888. And I, and I got to say, and be upfront with this, full transparency, I was, and, and you know, up until recently, a long time, long suffering, lately, uh, I was a Redskins fan growing up. That was mm-hmm. my team, and you hate the other side. So, But being objective from a reporting standpoint, to give credit where credit's due, the Cowboys came back last night and won the game. Uh, and Dak Prescott did something there. But let me tell you how bad in terms of the ending of this game. On a fourth down play where they had to have something, Geno Smith, the first thing I would do when I get to the line is check, check, check. You're checking everybody, seeing where everybody is. And I look where number 11 is, and I see, oh, he's over here. I've got my running back as my sidecar left. The first thing I'm going to do is move him to the right. And while he can't stop Parsons, he could be a roadblock for a moment, maybe give me enough time to throw the football. No, the Seahawks don't do that. Nobody calls it. Nobody gets him. A running back over here is going to run over here and try to get Parsons, who's just too fast and too elusive. What happens? Parsons runs free. And everybody after the game, what a great play you made. What a great... Nobody touched the guy. He ran like he was in a sprinter's uh uh, stance and he went full speed and uh, changed the game and the play ended the game. The bottom line is that stupidity from an offensive standpoint. You have to have somebody out there. Not saying the running back would have stopped him, but he darn sure could have slowed him down for a moment to give enough time for a pass. It didn't work, and the Seahawks lose. The Cowboys win. So the Seahawks have nobody to blame but themselves. Not saying they would have gone down and scored but it would have been a lot more interesting. And any Cowboys fan that calls in this morning says, hey, we had it. There's no doubt about it. Don't tell me that because you're at midfield with uh, under a minute left and you have an opportunity. And Geno Smith had hit on some big passes. He out threw Dak Prescott for the game. So there was a chance there for the Seahawks, a team that went in this game uh, not playing very well. As a matter of fact, they hadn't scored in seven quarters. So for Cowboys fans that uh, are bombarding and saying, oh, we're great, we're going to the Super Bowl, we're doing this, we're doing that, and this is a game we lost last year, but we won this year. And then some people have to then turn the table and say, hey, what about your commanders? Hey, they've got uh, barely or they're not even at 500, and they're, they're, uh, of course, showers don't work. I mean, you can go in all that you want and try to throw all the – the different things at it and say, you know, let's throw shade over. It's like a politician trying to throw shade at a different politician. But the bottom line is this, and this is where I want to break it down to Cowboys fans so you don't get too excited too soon. The end is coming. If it's not, I will apologize. I'm going to go in here and say, guess what? I didn't get it. I didn't see it. They were great, and I blew it. I missed it. Folks, I consider myself... Somewhat of an expert on the football side of things. You know, I think I know what I'm doing here. I've been at it long enough. Could I be wrong? Absolutely. Will I be wrong? I don't think so. Here's the deal. And sometimes you ask yourself, would you rather be the commanders and suck and just be bad all year long and know you're bad or the Cowboys who get to the point where they think they're good and then the bottom falls out in that first round exit if they get to the playoffs, which in 
looks like they will. But here is what I always talk about, Alan. Look beneath the surface. And here's what I've come up with. Andrew Whitworth said it best last night on the Prime video after the game. He said this. This is the first win for the Dallas Cowboys. The first win this year. They played 12 games. The first win against a team with a winning record. Let that sink in just for a moment. So before Cowboys fans inundate me with how great they are, this is their first win against a team with a winning record. So as I always say, let's don't go getting carried away. Now, let's look at another aspect. The vaunted Dallas Cowboys defense, which is second in the none in everybody's eyes, are so great. Bland's a great player back there. They don't have Trayvon Diggs. Micah Parsons is great. They've got a very solid defensive line. They're playing good football with Dan Quinn. I've always said that. But I'm also going to say this. For that vaunted defense on a Thursday night who played a team finally with a winning record, that team laid 35 points on the Cowboys in Dallas. And, oh, by the way, that team, the Seahawks, hadn't scored in seven quarters of football. Makes you go, hmm. So, what do you get from that? What do you draw from that? What I draw is the Cowboys came back and won a game, and Dak Prescott's done something he hasn't done. I kept waiting for the big turnover that he always has at the most inopportune time. Last night, he didn't do it. And congratulations to him and the Cowboys. And everybody's saying MVP, MVP, MVP. Well, Yes, he's put up some great numbers, and I'm not taking anything away from him, but I am going to ask you to temper that MVP talk with the fact that you've got a guy in Philadelphia that is doing it time and time again against top-tier competition. What he did last week against Buffalo, and I wasn't the big biggest Jalen Hurts fan of all time coming in, but this guy has ice water in his veins. One right down the field against the Buffalo Bills, does a sprint draw and wins against a team when he had to. He's proving himself, not to the Joe Montana level or uh, any of the you know Patrick Mahomes level to this point yet, but he's getting there. You can see that. Dak Prescott last night leads his team down against the Seahawks. Kudos to him. Kudos to the Cowboys. All I'm saying is temper your excitement now. I know you want to go there and say, oh, we're heading to the Super Bowl. We're heading to playoff. How about the fact we just beat a team with a winning record, the only team on a schedule so far that has a winning record? We beat one team. So let's look at this as a building block if you're a Cowboys fan and say, you know what, we can build off this because we showed some moxie at the end where we haven't done in the past. So I'll give all the credit in the world there. But I'm going to say this, and you mark this down. you got the Philadelphia Eagles. you got the 49ers. You've got some really talented teams coming up. And those are the teams that always send you home. So if you think you've all of a sudden solved it and you know the answers to the test and you're going to get it now, his Lee Corso, the great Lee Corso says all the time, and I'll do it with a pencil in my hand like he does, not so fast, my friends. Just don't see it happening. Because 35 points against a team that hadn't scored in seven quarters, one win against winning team, uh, a team with a winning record. And, oh, by the way, just to let you in on a little secret, they're driving the field to the 50-yard line. You're 50 yards away 
from it being a different story. 50 yards at the end of a game, down six. They score. It's goodnight Irene, and they don't beat that team. Micah Parsons comes unabated, which is next to the stupidest play of all time in NFL history, Pete Carroll's one-yard pass in the Super Bowl with a 240-pound Marshawn Lynch beast mode who averaged 4.6 yards a carry, dumbest call and play in Super Bowl history. This may have been one of the worst offensive sets. Who in God's name would sit there and say, okay, this looks good. Don't call timeout. Don't adjust somebody. Don't make a shift. Don't do something. Number 11, and Gino's got to check and look at the line and say, wait a minute, nobody's over him. He's got a free run right to me. Maybe on a sidecar right and make an adjustment. He didn't do it, and they paid the price. 50 yards away, so enjoy the win, but look beneath the surface and say to yourself, could we have lost? And if you're honest with yourself, 50 yards away, you could have. So enjoy that win against the first winning team you played, but keep it realistic and say, we got to build on this. And if we don't, all this regular season stuff will be like it always is and get us home for the holidays and then some. So we'll see how it works out for the Cowboys. And when you look at this game in totality and you look at the box score from last night, you know, you had Geno Smith, 23 of 41, 334 yards, three touchdowns, one interception. He blistered that secondary. Dak threw for 299, three touchdowns, sacked four times. Geno wasn't sacked one time. Wasn't sacked at all against that great Cowboys defense who should have had a sack against a team like the Seahawks, but he didn't. The Seahawks rushed for 72 yards, and, of course, D.K. Metcalf caught that long touchdown, 73-yarder. C.D. Lamb, who's playing great football, uh, 12 for 116, one touchdown. But the thing about this is, C.D. Lamb is going to get bracketed come playoff time. They're not going to let this guy run free. So we'll see how that works out. 804-327-0888 is the number. So the Dallas Cowboys, the big question of the morning, are the Cowboys for real? Or is my former great linebacker, Carlton Raymond, and I always talk about the term fool's gold. They believe that, yes, we have the goods until they don't. So do the Cowboys have it? Are you convinced after beating one team with a winning record that this is a team now? you got to circle them because they've won a bunch of games at home, and they're doing this and they're doing that, and they just can't miss. I'm not among them. Now, I'm being honest and upfront. I don't love the team. I grew up almost hating the team because that's part of what you did. But the bottom line is this. They've got talent, and the Cowboys are a very good football team. I'm not going to sit here and say, Oh, because I don't like them, they're not good. They're a very good team. They've got a very solid defense. I love Dan Quinn. I love what he does. Offensively, they're coming and rounding into form. They're doing well. But when you look at things, Tony Pollard had 20 rushes, 68 yards. They rushed for 136 overall. They've got good pieces. I don't think they have what it takes to go the distance. Can they get to the playoffs? Obviously. Can they last in advance? I don't think so. 804-327-0888. My take. What's yours, Alan? Sports came right on the money here. You feel differently? What's your take on Dak and the boys? I'm gonna I'm gonna upset you a little bit. I think I think Commander fans are just too biased to speak on Cowboys things. Okay. <laughs> you guys never look at it from a from a perspective of of true unbiased opinion. And whoa, and, and it's fun. It's a it's a rivalry. To you guys and I totally whoa, get whoa, it whoa, 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 but um whoa. I I just I have to disagree with you a little bit there 
And uh, I'm going to take this call and let you give me a rebuttal, okay? Okay. Who's on the line? We'll find out momentary, but let me see and tell you why Allen's wrong. Uh, I love the Redskins. The Commanders, as you know, in called the Commodores. We have so many problems, folks. Yes, I don't like the Cowboys, but I'm being upfront and honest and transparent. I'm not a fan of them, but they're a very good football team. I, I got to admit that no matter what. But I am going to say this. I disagree with Allen. He's saying because of my bias against them, and yes, there is a certain degree, but in the reality of it, I just said the facts. And all these Cowboys fans are like, wait a minute, you're, you're not seeing this. And they beat one team with a winning record. And Andrew Whitworth said it last night best. He said they've only beaten one team with a winning record, so let's pump the brakes. That's all I'm saying. They've had so many late-season swoons that it's almost expected. Maybe this year is different. But until it is, until you're proven that way, you're looked at as a team that may not be able to get it done. So do you believe, Roger, that I'm that biased against the Cowboys, or am I speaking the truth? Where do you come down on this? Well, it pains me to say this, but um, I, I think Dallas have a very good team. But they, they make a lot of stupid mistakes, and they kill themselves. But all of these offsides calls on the defense in key situations is a killer. Um, but as far as everything else, I mean, they have a stud, stud at, at receivers, tight end, offensive line. They got a very fast defense. Um, now, as far as the scheduling, you know, think about it. If Dak Prescott didn't step out of bounds, they would have beat Philly. So, um, <laughs> seems like they. Uh, they have a lot of bad breaks. Well, I'll tell you this. I like this Jake Ferguson, uh, six receptions, 77 yards. Uh, he had a long of 17, very talented guy. And I uh, like what he did at tight end. I think he's got, got real, real ability. So we'll see about that. All I'm saying, Roger, is this. With a minute roughly left, uh, the Seahawks were 50 yards away from pay dirt. And if they score... This We're talking about something totally different. It's not like the Cowboys were up by 21. You're like, wow, look at the dominant effort. This was a hang-on to the end and a stupid, uh, of course, play by the Seahawks, giving Parsons a free run to the quarterback, uh, ended the game. So that aside, you're saying to me that a team that beats one team with a winning record in 12 games is all of a sudden the team we should anoint and say, hey, these guys can't miss. I just can't get there. I, I see them as a very talented group. But until they win the ones they're supposed to win versus the ones that, and like last night at home, giving up 35 points with this vaunted defense against a team that hadn't scored in seven quarters, you're telling me, Roger, that this team is that good? I mean, that's what I'm saying. I got to look at this through the reality, not just what we saw, but, you know, the reality of who they played and what the stakes were. Your thoughts on that? Okay, well, question. Do you think Dallas is the third best team in the NFC? Mm. Uh, they're top five. Uh, I really believe that. They're a top five team, uh, maybe four, maybe three, but uh, they're two teams better than them right now that, uh, you know, you can see right now. Now, will they be yeah. able to leapfrog those guys? Don't know. Well, Have they been able to do like it? I, we don't know. Well, like I said, the first game against Philly, if Dak Prescott did not step out of bounds, they, they would have a victory over the Philadelphia Eagles. Um, 
it seems like Dallas is a very they're very inconsistent. But you know, to to go back to what you said earlier about um, the Seahawks not making the adjustment, to me, the, the coaching in the NFL is just downright horrible. Why, when it's fourth and one, you would want to bunch up and then run a running back up the middle? How come you just don't spread out that where it's just probably six on six at the line and you do a quarterback sneak? Well, you I mean, know- really. You know, that was a play that I questioned as well. The first thing I thought was spread them out, maybe roll right, roll left, do something, get somebody out, do a quick hitter, try to rub somebody without rubbing them, and try to get somebody open for a couple yards. Running into the teeth of the Dallas defense I thought was another dumb call, but I wouldn't have done that call on fourth down. you got to give yourself a chance. I didn't think they gave themselves a chance. But we'll see. And uh, getting back to what happened with Micah Parsons, uh, that's not only on the coaches, that's on the quarterback. Now, I played quarterback many years ago, not at that level, but one thing you have to note when you go to the line is look at the coverage, look where your Mike linebacker is, look at everything in defensive structure and see where everything is, where your matchups are. And the one thing I'm looking for is if it's me, like a Mike Singletary or a Ronnie Lott blitzing or one of those guys from the yesteryear, now you look at a guy like uh, in the past Lawrence Taylor, now Micah Parsons, you look over, and if I'm a quarterback and I look over and you have time to look the line over, wait a minute, this guy's uncovered. This guy's got a free beeline to me. And i got to go here, sidecar left. I'm going to switch him over to sidecar right to make sure we get a shot at chipping this guy. May not stop him, but you have to chip him, and you have to do something there. So this is yeah, a situation I, I, where I, you just have to be smart about it. Yeah, no, I agree with you. But unfortunately, we're living in a time of robots. <laughs> we, we, we don't think. That's why we have smartphones, because it thinks for stupid people. You would think the coaches are also a, a, despise a game plan to say, hey, look, we know Michael Parson is coming off the edge. Just like Joe Gibbs used to say, we know LT is coming off the edge. So you devise a game plan to stop that. But I don't think these coaches today do that. And that definitely the quarterbacks definitely do not think for themselves. Uh, very few. Let's put it this way. Very few. I think uh, the team may give them the ability to say, okay, you can change. You can audible. You can audible. But if, if that's not being taught, I mean, you're not going to get in the game situation and all of a sudden think of it. You're exactly and, and right, right. now – can't the coaches talk to the quarterback in the helmet? Yeah, up until a certain uh, time, and then it cuts out. So I think it got so close to the time that maybe nobody got in his ear. But Gino, being a veteran, should have read that and should have uh, been able to make an adjustment. But it is what it is. Roger, thanks for the call. We're up against a break. Have a great weekend. As always, we appreciate your input. Mark Colley on Facebook Live, uh, he said, the what aboutisms and what ifs will drive you mad in sports. And he mentions that the Eagles lost to the Jets. And he said the teams you think are going to win often don't. And this is the ultimate any given Sunday. He feels that way. Uh, while I'm not going to go all that way, I do agree. A couple years ago, of course, the Commanders beat the Eagles. Remember that. And uh, certain teams that win against others, you wonder, you know, hey, the topsy-turviness of the NFL. Sometimes the teams you don't expect to win do. And so we'll see where it's at. So we're going to come back. We've got more winners. Folks, if you were here yesterday, you heard us give you the winners in the Seahawks game, of course, and the over. Uh, so already cash you t- always already making you money, Alan, for the holidays. So we're taking a break. We're going to come back and give you the winners for this weekend in the NFL and more. 
And my grandson makes his debut on the Sports King show. Five years old, he cut a commercial. We hope you like it. We'll be right back to Sports King and the Sandman on a Friday morning. Hey, everyone, it's JJ. You listen to my baby. He's the Sports King. Don't touch the dial. I'm going to be right back. Days off, you have earned them, of course. Back on the Sports King show here on this Friday, the first day of December. Many people out there are going to shop this weekend, and many people will have more money to do so because yours truly, the Sports King, and Alan the Sandman Sandage, uh, started your weekend already with a Friday night uh, going into Friday night. Of course, we gave you the Thursday night winner on Prime Seahawks. Fall to the Cowboys. Seahawks got to the 50-yard line until things were stopped, and the Cowboys hang on for the 41-35 win, and they improved to 9-3, and 6-0 at home. So the Cowboys are tough at home, despite the fact that they've only beaten one team with the winning record. i got to throw that in. Sorry. I'm a little salty about it. But anyway, congratulations to Dallas. Uh, it hurts to say that. Anyway, just kidding. Uh, how about them Cowboys? William Boozer. Anyway, here we go. Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. We're going to give you the winners now for the weekend. And, folks, yes, uh, Sports King uh, and Alan, uh, we both uh, love the cash tips. So please keep the cash coming. We'll put it in our account, and uh, we're happy to oblige and give you all the money except 10%. Anyway, here we go with the winners for the weekend. Pay attention. Pens and paper out. And here we go, the Cardinals of Arizona at the Steelers, a Creasher Stadium, formerly the Big Ketchup Bottle in Pittsburgh. Family and friends in Pittsburgh. Of course, Pittsburgh, my favorite team on the AFC side of things. Longtime fan of the Steelers, a black and gold. In Pittsburgh, 46 degrees will be a cold one this weekend. Pittsburgh favored by 5.5 over under 41.5. Kyler Murray, elusive. They're 2-10. and 10. He can make plays. He can come in and do some things. He's just enough of that wild card to scare you, but he doesn't scare me this weekend. Give me the Steelers by a touchdown. I think they win this one. No backdoor cover here. Uh, not going to touch you over-under. I like the Steelers to go to 8-4. and four. They win this game. T.J. Watt is going to have some sacks. He's going to be disruptive as always. I'm going with the black and gold this weekend. Give the 5.5. What do you say, Sandman? I was leaning to the Cardinals uh, to be competitive, but, I mean, they just, what, Zach Ertz, I think, just asked to be yeah. released or something. Uh, yeah. <clears throat> and they don't have much offense anyway. Hollywood Browns kind of hurt, so I'm going to go with the Steelers. Nothing says I love you, and my team is really great, than a player uh, towards the middle to end of the season saying, hey, I want a full release from this place. It's that bad. 2-10, <laughs> 0-6, their head coach who I – can't even remember his name, 
probably won't be there next year, so uh, I hardly got to know you. Meanwhile, the Dolphins 8-3, and three, Rob's team, our former producer, 3-3 uh, three and three away at FedEx Field Landover, 46 degrees. Hopefully the showers are working this week. Ugh, it just gets worse. Anyway, Alan reported that, by the way. Uh, <laughs> the commanders, he, he had to rip salt in my wound. I not only get blown out on Thanksgiving Day by 35, and then he tells me the showers don't work. So, ugh, anyway. The commanders and Ron Rivera. Hey, he's taking over the defense, and that won't work either. Uh, but the Dolphins favored by nine and a half. Uh, the commanders, I think, will hang in there for a half, maybe quarter, quarter and a half, and then the Dolphins pull away in this one. I am giving uh, the nine and a half to the commanders. I think they're hapless. I think Rivera is the defensive coordinator. Uh, won't make a difference. I think, uh, you know, if anybody cares for him on the team, they may play for a half, maybe. But the situation is this. When you've got some of the best receivers in the NFL with speed that uh, is unprecedented against a commander's secondary that is like a sieve, they're awful in every way, shape, or form, give me the Dolphins, give the 9.5 over under, not touching, but I like the Dolphins here. I just think they're just going to lay it down on the commanders in D.C. Your thoughts? You know, preseason, I thought the the commanders was the slowest defense I'd seen all preseason. And I know people didn't think that really mattered, but it kind of does, especially when you're going against a team like the Dolphins. I like the Dolphins. I don't think Ron Rivera even knows the roster of the Dolphins right now. You're right. So there you go. We're on board. Give the nine and a half. Take the Dolphins there. Should be an easy victory uh, once the first quarter ends. Uh, they'll stand up maybe for a quarter. Meanwhile, the Colts and Titans from that Nissan Stadium, Nashville, Tennessee, 57 degrees. Love Nashville. The Colts on the road against, of course, uh, Will Levis and company. I think a heavy rushing game by uh, Derek, uh, our guy back there, number 22, Derek Henry. Uh, Indianapolis favored by one on the road. I'm not buying it. Mike Brabel uh, trying to get his team back into contention. Not that they are, but I think they're going to play well and well enough. I like the under here, and I like the Titans of Will Levis and late drive to get the three-point win against the Colts. Your thoughts? You know, these are the games that the Titans somehow find a way to win. Um, I keep an eye on the quarterback situation. Uh, last I checked, our, our guy uh, Will Levis had an ankle injury. So if Will Levis <laughs> plays, you know what? I'll go ahead and side with the Titans. All right. Next up, from Gillette Stadium, Foxborough, family and friends should be there for the Patriots on this one. They're 2-9, and 1-5 and five at home. The Patriots, minus Tom Brady, by the way. The Chargers, 4-7, and seven, and the clock ticking on Brandon Staley, and his job is in major jeopardy. He has to win this weekend. And the Chargers are giving 5.5. While I don't think it'll be 5.5, I think it will be a three-point game. Give the Chargers and Justin Herbert, who uh, the Patriots have no quarterback, so let's go with the Chargers here. But I think the Patriots at least try to play. And uh, even though it looks too easy, I think the Patriots uh, hang in there. The Chargers get the win. Your thoughts? Yeah, I, t- I took the Chargers, but I- I'm telling you, I-, I said it on the podcast, I'll say it again. If the Chargers give up more than 17 points, Staley needs to be fired on the spot. Absolutely. And... The Lions and Saints from the Caesar Superdome in New Orleans, Louisiana. Detroit favored by four and a half. The Saints are at a really tough spot to even keep pace and try to get in the playoffs in a wild card. They've got to get the win this week. I think they're going to play really well. Meanwhile, the Lions disappointed me on Thanksgiving Day. I didn't even recognize the team. Dan Campbell, I'm sure, was very upset. I expect a much better effort from the Lions this week. The Lions win the game. The four and a half scares me a little bit. 
But I've been riding with the Lions, and I think they get back on track. Give me the Lions to win this one. Derek Carr gets harassed all day. Go with the Lions and the over 46-and-a-half. What say you, Sandman? If if I can get Chris Olave to be clear from concussion protocol, I'm taking the Saints to cover. I don't want to take them to win. But if you look at this Lions team since that bye week, it's been kind of rough, man. They covered the three, or they pushed on the three against the Chargers. Didn't look good against the Bears. Didn't look good against the Packers. It, it's one of those things, you know, they're trending down a little, and I'm concerned. All right, next up in our gift-giving as we give winners away like cookies at a holiday party, the Falcons and the JTJJs playing this weekend in East Rutherford. It is currently 45 degrees, MetLife Stadium. The Falcons come to town. Arthur Smith and company gets the Jets. Atlanta favored by two. The Jets, uh, I don't know who they're going to try to add a quarterback. Aaron Rodgers reportedly getting closer, but it may be too little too late. The Falcons, who are no great shakes, I think have enough ability here to keep it close. Uh, underscore here of 33. I don't look for a lot of points, but I look for the great kicker, Koo, for the Falcons to bang one home to end this one and the Jets' season. Give me the Falcons in this one. I don't want to pick the Falcons, but I'm going to. That's just how bad the Jets are. All right. Next up, the resurgent. And give credit to the Broncos. They are rolling 6-5 and five now. They're playing hot, one of the hottest teams in the league, against another hot team, the 6-5 and five Texans. The line is three. Houston's favored by three. You got C.J. Stroud, Russell Wilson. You've got the Broncos playing much better. Uh, I've looked at this, and uh, it's one of those coin flips, but I'm going to go with Russell Wilson. I think that the Broncos have enough, and they'll find a way with a late field goal to win this one. A field goal game is what it is. Give me the Broncos and the three, and I'm going to think that the Broncos pull this one out. Your thoughts? Yeah, I'm in agreement. I think the Broncos are a team trending up, reverse of what I said about the Lions, and I think this line's a little disrespectful, so I'll take my points. Frank Reich and his $25 million are gone from the Panthers, and now the 1-10, in 0-6 Panthers on the road. They lose at home. They lose away at Raymond James Stadium here in Tampa. 75 degrees now. The Buccaneers 4-7, and and Todd Bowles has been tongue-lashing this team in terms of really getting on them for their effort and what's happening this is a must-win. Todd Bowles said we're still one game out of uh, the lead, and we need this one badly. The Buccaneers favored by five. I think they get that. They win this game by at least ten. I think they finally put it together this weekend. Mike Evans with a couple touchdowns. The over 36-and-a-half. It goes over the post total. Give me the Bucks. Give the five. Yeah, usually losing your coach is a bump up for at least a game, but I don't think the Panthers have anything going for them right now. It's a lot of dysfunction behind the scenes, so let me get the Bucks. Yeah, uh, Coach getting $25 million for leaving. And the Buccaneers look uh, to be licking their chops this weekend. We'll see about that. The Browns, who've been struggling, of course, uh, they've got uh, Miles Garrett with an injury, and he's been dealing with that, taking on the Rams. The Rams now, of course, uh, SoFi Stadium. They're very tough there. Cleveland has to go cross-country. The Rams favored by three and a half. I think the Rams win this game. That hook scares me. But the Browns at quarterback don't have anything that really gives me pause to say they've got a chance. I like the Rams here in this one by uh, six at least. So let's go ahead and give the three and a half, take the Rams to win at home to go to six wins on the season. Going a little crazy here. I'm taking the Browns money line. All right, there you go. Next up, Allen's 49ers. Uh, he's a 49er fan like his friend Lamar. Eight and three, <laughs> four and two. And they travel to the city of Brotherly Shove in Lincoln Financial Field at the Link this weekend, 48 degrees narrow in Philadelphia. 
The Eagles 10 and 1, 5 and 0 at home. San Francisco favored by 3 in this one over under 47 and a half. Brock Purdy, Jalen Hurts should be back and forth. Anything you can do, I can do better. The Eagles look to be uh, playing some great football. They have been all year long. They're 5 and 0 at home. But I think the 49ers need a signature win this year. So far, this one will be the one. I think they get the Eagles by a field goal. So it's going to be close, but give me the Eagles. Your thoughts? Uh, Niners win, and I'll be on Matt Joseph's show on Monday talking about it. All right. The Chiefs and Packers in uh, this one at Green Bay. KC favored by six. Jordan Love was the Jordan Love we saw on Thanksgiving Day, the real guy. I'm not buying it. Give me the Chiefs. Give the six and the over. Your thoughts? I'm going to side with the Packers here. All right. And then the Bengals and Jaguars on Monday. I like Jacksonville to win, and, of course, uh, they should win this one by 10. No Joe Burrow. The Bengals are in deep trouble. Give me the Jags. Jags all the way. By the way, folks, don't forget today on the college side, the Liberty Flames. Give me liberty or give me death. That was Patrick Henry, by the way, in fourth grade, just a side note. Liberty 24 in the nation against New Mexico, 7 o'clock. I've got Liberty win it. Have a great weekend. We'll see you back here on Monday. 1061 